You know, it, it's hard to believe it's been a year since we've had meme stocks. I mean, this looked like it was about a maybe a one-day phenomenon to take grapevine-based GameStop from hat size or less to, you know, triple digits. But the fact is, it's still going on. And fortunately, chronicling that over the last year has been a book that's just been released, The Revolution That Wasn't. Spencer Jacob is a writer for the Wall Street Journal and has written this new book all about the meme stock phenomenon and joins us now. It's good to have you with us. Thanks for having me. So I'm guessing something less than a year ago, you had a sense this was going to be more than a one-day phenomenon or you wouldn't have put in the research and waited a year to write a book. Did you have? Did you really have any idea that this would last as long as it has? No, I had no idea. I, I knew it was a huge story. So I, I've been working in or writing about markets for gosh, 29 years now. Um, 10 of those were in emerging markets, which like a, a year there is like a dog year. <laughs> yeah, um, right. So I saw a lot of crazy stuff there too. And th this was one of the craziest things I ever saw. And the characters in it are, you know, if I, you had written this as a fictional book, then the editor would send it back and say, this is just not believable. These people are just too, too cartoonish and weird. Um, but yeah, it was January 25th, 2021. I was at uh, home. I've got three boys, so I've been to GameStop a lot in my life. And uh, one of them came over and said, Dad, are you going to write something about GameStop? And uh, I was like, why, no, why? Why would I do that? I'm just editing this thing right now for the journal. And he said, oh, have a look at it. And uh, his friend had bought it and doubled his money in a couple of days. And what, what piqued my interest, because I'd seen this happen a lot, stocks touted on social media by these this new generation of influencers was that he said he wasn't going to sell no matter what um and so it, it took me took me probably 10 minutes to see that this was something totally different well and this um, way this yeah. really this story embodies so much because it brings in i mean it brings in all the you know the normal stuff the fear and greed associated with the market but it it brings in some the reddit which is this relatively new phenomenon and then you got a guy in the case of gamestop you have a guy with a lot of credibility, Ryan Cohen, who came in and he founded Chewy's, the dog, not the dog food, not the Mexican food company. And he, he bought into GameStop. And I guess that's what that's what gave this story legs. Totally. There are five or six things that that all had to happen for this crazy story to play out. First of all, you had to have uh, trading commissions go to zero. Everyone went in late 2019 and took their trading commissions to zero. So you have a Then you had to. What? Well, it's, they're not zero, really, because nothing's free. Yeah, but yeah. Don't don't tell people but it's that. Still, and, uh, but still, Robinhood comes along. Okay. Robinhood comes along. Robinhood captures half of the new brokerage accounts opened in America. Then you have uh, sports uh, betting legalized, which pe young people do through uh, their smartphones and kind of are addicted to. Then you have all sports canceled because there's a pandemic. Then you have all these people at home because of the pandemic. Uh, bored with a bit of extra money because they don't have anywhere to go and spend it on on Friday night, and they're getting stimulus checks and and other stuff. And hey, they found a new game. This is more exciting than sports betting, and you're more likely to win too, which is the stock market. And they got into the stock market, I mean, about 10 million people, at the most volatile possible time. And they say that success is the worst teacher. Well, it sure is in the stock market because anything they bought went up. So everything collapsed, and then they opened accounts, and anything they bought went up. And the, the dumber it was, the more it went up. So you know they they were buying things that Warren Buffett was selling, and all of a sudden they're smarter than Warren Buffett. And the people who you know who had like a two months of experience who are saying that to their two million followers on social media, and and that set the stage 
for this to happen. And what you had basically, uh, I don't want to get too technical, but hedge funds, when they bet a stock is going to go down and GameStop was a like blockbuster yeah. three years before it went bust, uh, they, they face unlimited risk if the stock goes up. Who, what's going to happen to GameStop? Really, yeah, they, right? they, I mean, they, sure, this is our much. favorite saying. He who sells what isn't his and must buy it back or go to prison. <laughs> totally. It's like the famous Daniel Drew saying. It's, yeah. it's in, that's in the book and a whole chapter on that stuff. And I, I explained some of the historical crazy tales, but this is the craziest one of them all. And so these guys, basically, it was like they were like in a crowded theater and there was one little door and not only did someone set it on fire, but then they like, poured kerosene all over the seats, you know, and, and threw nitroglycerin into it just for good measure. And so there was no way that they could all get out without losing a lot of money. The best paid man on Wall Street lost $7 billion for his investors, you know, which is whack, wacko. Um, and it looked like this was a revolution that worked because they stuck yeah. it to the man, right? And they but, made but, a lot of money, but, but, but not the, really. The, the subtitle of your book is GameStop Reddit and the fleecing of small investors. I mean, it looks like this time around, at least for the time, for the short time, it was the small investors who really made out. And it was some of the smart investors who were smart enough to short GameStop and know that it was going to go to zero that were the losers. You know, David, I remember um, back in 1999 having conversations with uh, my mom had just retired and, you know, her friends, um, you know, I mean, they're nice people, but they didn't know anything about stock trading and uh they you know I, I wore a nice suit and made a lot of money then i was a, a top rated stock analyst at the time before leaving that business to become a, a financial journalist and they asked me about stocks that they should buy and i told them they should what stocks do you own and said those are crazy like you should just be glad you made so much money on this dot-com stock and and really get out of it and they you know they had a lot of money at the time and they uh they didn't want to hear it they wanted to lecture me uh, as soon as I told them that. So, um, you know, it's very hard to to get people to to stop doing something that seems like a good idea that that later turns out not to be a good one. There's some people who made a lot of money and who walked away with this with big gains. Of course, there always are. And I tell the story through a person who did walk away with a tremendous right. amount of money. He made a thousand times his money. Normal middle class kid who uh, at one point had 50 million dollars and became a hero online to these people. And he is a fascinating guy uh, because you know, he actually did understand what to do. So were laws um, broken along the way or was this all just exploiting greed and fear? No, it's just what always happens on Wall Street is that they like it when people show up and think that they're very smart. Uh, they like it when you come and pour money into uh, new brokerage accounts and try to trade. The, the companies that are at the center of this uh, say they charge zero dollars, but nothing's free. David, nothing is free. And. There are people who traded 10,000 times or more a year on this app. And every time they traded, the the broker made money. And the more they traded, the more money the broker made and the more money that the middleman made who processed the trades. There's a company uh, in this story that made in the year before this, and because their results leaked, that's the only reason we know it. They made over $6 billion in revenue uh, processing these trades. They made over $4 billion in operating profit processing these trades. And that was before this happened. Okay, this, so this is people, a lot of people order, made a lot of money and selling and the order it, flow. Yeah, exactly. And and no laws were not broken. You asked me that. I, I want to be clear there that there are a lot of conspiracy theories, and some of the people who were involved in this when it came out, how they got paid, and what went on, 
because the really crazy thing that that made this story 10 times crazier than it would have been otherwise is that trading was halted. So the main broker for all these young people was forced to halt purchases, not sales, just purchases of these stocks. And everyone saw that as a smoking gun conspiracy. The hedge funds that are up against the wall forced to do this, didn't they? And they're looking for all kinds of, oh, oh, these two companies were communicating. Clearly it was a conspiracy. Um, let me tell you, it was not. I, I spell it out. Yeah. That's probably the most boring part of the book. The only boring part of the book where I spell out why it wasn't. <laughs> nobody broke any laws. Um, but they, they didn't. Okay, Spencer, so, let, um, let, let me go back to where I started with you. This is a fascinating 10-day story, two-week story. There's no way this should be going on, whatever we are, 55 weeks later. And that this would start. And, and these are still actively traded securities that have nothing underneath them. How can this still be going on? Yeah. I mean, listen, when you set out to write a book and you're like, and, and I basically, I, I, every night I was falling asleep at the keyboard every weekend, every vacation went into writing this because I wanted to finish it with, you know, on the one year anniversary of the events. But little did I, I, I couldn't have imagined that it would stay a story, that people would try to make lightning strike a second, third, fourth, fifth time. And so it's, it's stayed a big story. Uh, the only unfortunate part of that for me, I mean, that creates a lot more interest in the book, is it also creates a, a group of people who are convinced that they were cheated uh, and that anybody in the media is, must be, you know, getting paid off to say that uh, otherwise. And the, the hate mail that I get, you know, there are active groups on there. If you happen to see some one-star reviews on the Amazon page for my book that went on sale today, um, it's it's most likely them. They're urging one another to do that and to quash sales of the book uh i i feel bad for those people well I, there may be some um, people I feel bad pay- myself too for getting you know these one-star reviews but that's maybe that's kept some, it a story at least you maybe know? some people who paid 300 dollars a share for gamestop too yeah that's right yeah there, there, so I, i'd be i'd be i'd be upset too but uh certainly not my fault i can't own stocks I well it, it's it's a it's it's a fascinating subject and a very timely book uh, the revolution that wasn't GameStop, Reddit, and the fleecing of small investors. Spencer Jacob is the author and our guest today. It's good to have you with us. We wish you luck with this. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks. For more of our conversation, go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.